Hey folks, a quick tip before we get into the show. If you enjoyed the recent episode with Felipe Turan talking about the use of TEE in the ICU, we have actually a group discount for you you could use to attend the Resus TEE course that Felipe runs. They tour around and do this workshop in different areas. I attended, Brian's attending soon. Really a great one-day course with a ton of hands-on experience. And Felipe agreed to offer you guys 20% for listeners of the show. This is going to be good for the next several classes up until the New York City courses on July 22nd and 23rd. Just enter the code CCSPOD, C-C-S-P-O-D 20, when you go to check out and you'll get your 20%. Uh, don't circulate that code around. It's really just for you guys, but we encourage you to give it a try. Now, time for the show. Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Odo. And I'm Brian Bowling. And this is Critical Care Scenarios, the podcast where we use clinical cases, narrative storytelling, and expert guests to unpack how critical care is practiced in the real world. Hey everyone, it's Brandon. I want to do something a little different on today's Turbo. I'd like to share with you some quotes. I've always been a fan of a good quote. Quotes are kind of like poetry. They're distilled, purified, concentrated essence of, of an idea. They sort of express something in a way that you almost can't express it if you said more words. So I try to collect interesting and useful ones. So I'd like to share a few with you. The general theme today is not anything to do with the technical side of medicine, but more about the human side, a little bit about the imperfections of people, both patients and caregivers, about second chances, and about why we do the things we do. This is inspired because I just recently got finished reading Rana Oddish's a wonderful book, In Shock, where she describes her experience uh, as both an intensivist who um, eventually became a patient and very, very ill. I very much recommend it. But I think that uh, we all tend to forget, as silly as it sounds, that patients are actually people if we're not periodically reminded. And just that the reason we're involved in medicine is because some part of us wants to help people and we start to think about only the technical aspects of it. And while there is a lot there that is really rewarding, I, I think it's not going too far to say that if that's the only thing you appreciate about your job and the only thing you think you're doing, most of us will get burned out. It's not a good enough job if that's all you're doing. You can make money and you can support yourself but the negatives of it, the stress and the challenges and what you'll perceive as failures because you're just a technician, they will build up. And if there's nothing to balance them out, you don't recognize the human side of what you're doing, you will start to hate your job. I think that applies to most people. So here's your reminder today. 
Let me start with sharing you a quote from Bertrand Russell's autobiography. It opens the book. Three passions, simple but overwhelmingly strong, have governed my life. The longing for love, the search for knowledge, and unbearable pity for the suffering of mankind. These passions, like great winds, have blown me hither and thither in a wayward course over a great ocean of anguish, reaching to the very verge of despair. I have sought love first because it brings ecstasy, ecstasy so great that I would often have sacrificed all the rest of life for a few hours of this joy. I have sought it next because it relieves loneliness, that terrible loneliness in which one shivering consciousness looks over the rim of the world into the cold, unfathomable, lifeless abyss. I have sought it finally because in the union of love I have seen, in a mystic miniature, the prefiguring vision of the heaven that saints and poets have imagined. This is what I sought, and though it may seem too good for human life, this is what, at last, I have found. With equal passion I have sought knowledge. I have wished to understand the hearts of men. I have wished to know why the stars shine. And I have tried to apprehend the Pythagorean power by which number holds sway above the flux. A little of this but not much I have achieved. Love and knowledge, as far as they were possible, led upward toward the heavens. But always pity brought me back to earth. Echoes of cries of pain reverberate in my heart. Children in famine, victims tortured by oppressors, helpless old people a burden to their sons, and the old world of loneliness, poverty, and pain make a mockery of what human life should be. I long to alleviate this evil, but I cannot, and I too suffer. This has been my life. I have found it worth living and would gladly live it again if the chance were offered me. Now the sitcom How I Met Your Mother, to mix things up, gave us this one in the episode Tick, Tick, Tick. We've all done bad things. It doesn't mean we're bad people. In a similar vein, Scrubs, in their ninth season, which not everybody liked on the episode Our Couples, says, Why do I want to be a doctor? Well, because doctors give people second chances. And we all deserve a second chance. Tom Junod, in an essay in Esquire called Feeding an Army of One, said, Men spend their lives entertaining certain fancies, the most powerful of which is that they got away with it. You got away with nothing and fooled no one, and somehow they still love you. George Santayana, in a text on William James, the American philosopher and psychologist, said, until the curtain was rung down on the last act of the drama, and it might have no last act. He wished the intellectual cripples and the moral hunchbacks not to be jeered at. Perhaps they might turn out to be the heroes of the play. The Oath of Maimonides, who some people read when they graduate from med school and similar institutions, says, May I never see in the patient anything but a fellow creature in pain. Now, 
Wikipedia, in an article about Joshua James, who is a, a noted member of the U.S. Life Station Service, which no longer exists, but used to provide rescue service to downed ships and storms. He saved, I think, over 500 lives. But in discussion of the service, they said, it was a common practice to light a bonfire close to any shipwreck that could not be rescued immediately. This was done to let the surfmen have enough light to see the shipwreck, help keep the watching surfmen warm, and let the survivors of the shipwreck know that they had not been abandoned. Now, similarly, a book about Harry Watts, Life of Harry Watts, 60 years sailor and diver, um, who had saved countless people from drowning in England, quotes uh, the Royal Humane Society, who meant to recognize him towards the end of his life, who said, The modest merits of this good citizen may, so far as the public are concerned, be summed up in this simple statement, that he has saved upwards of 30 lives from drowning. When we consider what are the awards usually apportioned by mankind to the destroyers of their species, the presentation of a gold watch and chain accompanied by the framed parchment from the Royal Humane Society in the precincts of a disused schoolroom must appear an inadequate acknowledgement of services so signal. But we are new at the business and shall improve as we go forward. There is a hackneyed platitude to the effect that virtue is its own reward, but it is safe to say that the average man does not find such a result sufficient. It might be so in an ideal world inhabited by ideal people, but in this workaday world, in addition to the approval of our conscience, we love to have the approval of our fellows, and to know that our acts are appreciated, and especially is this the case when we are actuated by altruistic motives. This is, of course, a form of vanity. But then, vanity is almost a universal failing. Danielle E. Sucher, who used to run a blog called Legal Agility about her work as a defense attorney, said in an essay about why she worked in defense, I don't like hurting people. Is that so hard to understand? When I go to bed at night, I can sleep easily, knowing that I fought for freedom and for less suffering rather than more. That I stood by someone accused so that he would not have to stand alone. I can't know whether anyone is truly guilty or innocent, or what they deserve, and frankly, I don't care. We all deserve at least one person on the damn planet willing to stand there next to us and fight on our behalf. Now, Tom Dick, T-H-O-M, was a paramedic for many, many years, and he wrote a book called People Care, which is a true classic of pre-hospital medicine. This used to circulate around EMS like a, like a pamphlet. Uh, it was finally reprinted a little more professionally, and then I think has actually gone into a third edition now. I had said many times when I worked in EMS, and I've heard other very experienced people say this as well, that there's probably no more important book for someone to read who works in EMS. It has nothing to do with technical medicine, but everything to do with what makes the job valuable and the opportunities it offers you to see people. I'm going to read you a section from it. Nobody is perfect. It should make plenty of sense to you that nobody is perfect. And as an 18-year-old person fresh out of that first EMT class, 
you are guaranteed to be missing some important realizations. Not the least of those is the fact that a lot of ordinary people look totally uncool, especially in their BVDs. In fact, they're pretty ugly without their clothes on, or at least a little makeup. Some of them are fairly dim bulbs, actually. And on the worst days of their lives, a lot more have B.O., bad breath, wrinkles, loose skin, irregular teeth, big bellies, short penises, hair where there shouldn't be hair, and no hair where there should be. They are inarticulate, clumsy, and, well, kind of ordinary. They don't match any of those pictures of perfectly proportioned people you've seen in your textbooks or on TV. And guess what? Their families love them dearly just the way they are. But here's the strangest thing of all, the thing you can't grasp without the kind of wisdom that only comes from years of experience. Those same ugly people are the normal ones. Strangely, it's the perfectly proportioned ones, sometimes surgically, who are unusual. It's important to believe that imperfect people are normal. Partly because it's true, and partly because on top of all of those things, people get scared, irrational, and addicted. They make lots of bad life choices, sometimes over and over again. They get themselves into all kinds of trouble. Many live in abject poverty, worse than anything you've ever imagined. They get irrational, and they behave unpredictably. They get lonely and despondent. And they do terrible things to one another, to their families, and to themselves. You're going to see things you'll go home wishing you hadn't. And when you do, remember what you are and what you're not. What you are is a caregiver. What you're not is a judge. It takes different kinds of people to do those two things. People with different kinds of brains, hearts, and education. You can be one or the other, but you can't be both. Not at the same time, anyway. As a caregiver, you can't let yourself slip into the trap of judging people you don't know anything about because it does bad things to you. That judgment mode makes it easy for you to miss important observations. It makes you bitter. It inevitably taints your care and shortens your life as a caregiver. And it makes you deserve to have your ass dragged into court. People do to others what was done to them. Some of the worst criminals you'll ever see have been victims themselves. Others are missing things that you take for granted. Emotional, intellectual balance, a conscience, and a sense of personal value. You can treat the physical injuries of someone like that. But in the course of a 30-minute contact, you don't have what it takes to look into their soul, much less understand what only God might see there. That's why you need to remind yourself again and again that you're a caregiver, not a judge. Make no mistake, if you spend enough years in emergency medicine, you will witness more royalty and more dignity in the poorest janitors, great pickers, and house painters than you would ever expect to find in a king or a queen. These people will touch you profoundly. They will change your life, and they will teach you lessons that will probably help you to die well someday. You should get the book. I'll leave you with a quote from the old poem Desiderata by Max Ehrman. Whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be, and whatever your labors and aspirations, in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace with your soul. With all its shams, drudgery, and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Talk to you next time.